0: Well, hello there, citizen. Welcome to the Understory Bar podcast, where we talk about self producing your creative projects, online content creation, and copywriting. Admission to the Understory is free, but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern.
1: What is up, creators? We are back for our interview series, and today we are talking to Zlatko Bajelic. Z, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Wade. Thanks for having me, my man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. No, I'm I'm so stoked to have you on my podcast. I know it was fun going on your podcast, and i like to turn the tables and and take you know be the interviewer and send the interviewee. So. Um, so for my audience, basically, who may not be familiar with you, uh, why don't you go ahead and just kind of run me briefly through what you're doing right now, talk a little bit about your agency, and then maybe we'll do a little bit of a kind of a history, too.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. i really uh, honored to be here. And thanks for coming to my podcast as well. I had a tremendous time chatting with you. Um, but yeah, a little bit about me. So I started off as a project manager originally early 2010, so 2009, And I was just helping a buddy with website stuff. And then um, as the years went on, I started doing some consulting. And as I started doing consulting, I fell into a uh, agency um, actually through Upwork where they hired me to come on as a project manager. And this was around 2015, 2016. And I actually started, I, I worked there for a little bit as a consultant. And then I realized that there was some holes that I think could be filled within the agency space and just kind of the way they were dealing with things had me kind of, you know, like, hey, I could do that a little bit better. I can improve this. Or if we just improve this, our, you know, our clients will be happier, whatever that might be. And so I had built up already a network of, you know, designers, developers, and different things like that. And so um, in 2018, uh, after spending a bunch of time on Upwork, creating a great deal flow through there, getting a lot of clients through there, 2018, I just decided to pull the trigger and start my own agency. And we uh, we quickly went from focusing on sort of like a a platform agnostic across like WordPress and all these other things. We focused on e-commerce on the Shopify side of things. And we doubled down on Shopify pretty early. I wouldn't say like very early, but pretty early. Um, uh, just because we saw the movement going in the in the direction of you know hey everyone's kind of moving over to this platform Um, all the other ones you know they need a little bit more hand-holding with developers and I just didn't want to I'm not a technical guy from a perspective of like being a developer so I never wanted to dabble in things that I didn't fully sort of understand like I can understand Shopify because everything is sort of in front of you but when it comes to it comes to like handling servers and all this crap I'm like I do not want to I don't want my hands on that stuff. So, long story short, I started uh, that agency. In the meantime, I was also building some products. Um, so, I have, you know, a variety of products on the market on iOS, on on Shopify store, and all these other things. And so, uh, at the beginning of 2022, Two, yeah, 2022. Um, I actually started another agency, which is mainly focused on building products. And so we now build, uh, you know, SaaS products across different um, marketplaces. And um, and about eleven months ago. I started writing online and sort of building my audience and and bringing all of this into like a Z ecosystem now with the agencies, with the products, with the brand, with the newsletter, with the podcast, and all these things sort of building a holistic kind of uh, one one-stop shop for, you know, all of the things.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And so it's a it's a big universe to play in, right? A big sandbox to play in. Let's talk a little bit about the e-com agency with Shopify, right? Because, you know, when people say the word agency, it's a big word. You know, it can mean mm-hmm. lots of different things. So, for example, you know, for me personally, I do, you know, I do email marketing for, you know, for e-com, right? So I'm not really an agency. I'm an agency of one, as they would say, right? But I mean, what in terms of for your Shopify, what do you do for them? Do you set up Shopify? Is it on the tech side? Is it on the email market? side is on the display side like what is it exactly that your agency does
2: um so we've primarily started off as more of a development uh agency so we were partnering up with other people to handle the development needs um but we quickly came to find out that uh, Shopify is a lot of front-end work so um quickly came to realize that the the sauce was really in the design and stretching sort of at one point in the early days of shopify when you landed on a shopify e-commerce store you kind of knew that it was hosted on shopify I had this sort of very similar you know top menu bar and all these other things and i had a great designer that i had been working with and i was like man like i really want to sort of stretch this so it doesn't look like a shopify store and not that that was a bad thing but at that point, Shopify didn't cement themselves as like the platform. So when you saw Shopify, you'd be like, ah, is this real? Is it not real? You know, it's people drop shipping and all the other things. But so basically early on, I decided I was like, you know, I really want to focus on the design side of things. We kind of had the development pieces already in play. And so we offer uh, any client that comes to us. We have a variety of clients, but through time, we've gone from early uh, brands that needed to just get up and running and have a good brand um, face on on their store. They would come to us, we do all the design, all the development. And then we also started to, uh, dipping our toes into Uh, two other things, which is one is existing businesses that are doing between five to five plus 10 plus million dollars in revenue uh, that needed basically a facelift. They've been sort of running on fumes for a while when it comes to their existing store. So when they came to us, they would say, okay, we're ready to make a big move into you know, uh, a brand lift, or we want to set up a more conversion optimized like store, and we want to start a content system and all these other things. And so at some point, we started to realize that uh merchants and clients in this space didn't want to manage multiple agencies because it starts to get messy. That means that agencies had to work with each other for this one client. There was this all this like talk. And as time kind of went on, we decided to bring all of that in-house. And our team actually grew from the time I started to the time that I Um, that, uh, to the end of 2021, actually, we grew to like 22 people. And so we were offering everything from branding and design to really complex backend development work that we were building sort of external apps and different things to connect things to Shopify. And on top of all of that, we were also uh, handling, you know, email marketing and, and all of these other pieces. So we became this holistic solution, which clients really like, because they're like, now I can only I only have to deal with one person or one project manager or one company rather than having, you know, an invoice, you know, from company A and then an invoice company B. And are you guys working together? Is there communication going on? So long story short, we basically grew into that. And so 2022 was a really tough year for us, uh, Wade. We became uh, we became a little bit bloated through that pandemic because we just needed to hire so many people because we i mean we grew by like 500% or something crazy like that um hold on my dog is like chewing up on this story. hold on one second
1: it's all good man i got a i got a dog so you got two dogs over there what what are the yeah, names of your two, dogs uh penny penny and buddy i got yeah. da- daisy is my puppy who does not look like a puppy now she's huge but she's uh, she's over there but Oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah, dogs are the best, man. They give me good energy in my office, so yep, I always absolutely. keep them in here.
2: Absolutely. Um, but but yeah. So, long story short, we kind of started dabbling in being this holistic solution for merchants and and giving them one place to come in and you know handle all of their all of their work and not have to fragment it to too many places.
1: So now, are you still that size, or have you sort of sort of got leaned out a little bit, or kind of yeah? Lost so the play now. Like,
2: yeah, so we're down to seven people at this point, point. Um, okay. and primarily because I don't want to manage that many people ever again, like I am putting that that on my damn tombstone, I'm not managing more than 1015 people at the most across all of my businesses. So right now we're at about 11 people across everything. Um, but at 22 was just way too much. Um, nobody got the det- attention that they deserved, and so we scaled back. And so any work that we don't handle at the moment, for example, whether it's email marketing or it might be ads or whatever that might be, um, we partner up with other agencies who do je- who do that job a lot better and that focus on that, and sort of put them put them into that corner and. We take a small revenue share from that agency and we, you know, wipe our hands clean and we move on to the next job Um, just because we uh, it it was just it was just becoming too much. Honestly, I was just stressed out Uh, there. You know, uh, service work is really, really tough. I think a lot of people don't understand how how much pressure there is, especially when you're dealing with companies doing a large volume. One thing goes wrong. They lose, you know. $10,000 $10,000 in one tra- like it, it gets really, really crazy at that level. And so one of the things for us was, especially when people are spending on ads or, or, you know, trying to t- uh, tap into uh, email marketing and all these other things, like we wanted to make sure that the experts were doing the best that they can. And so we just took all those services and basically sent them over to other agencies.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's one thing in business though, that I've always thought is that you, in order to find the line, you have to cross it you know, and so, you know, and that's for yourself personally, and then also for yourself as a business. So, you know, it's not unusual for people to go through a very similar experience that you did, but then sometimes people get trapped by the money. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh man, yeah. I don't, you know, but it's, it's hard to sustain that level of that, that pace though, if you're not totally committed, you know, in terms of if it doesn't feed you personally and feed the business.
2: Well, it got to a point, Wade, where I actually, at the end of uh, 2021, around October time frame, and now I had been running for like three years, uh, wearing multiple hats, I ended up having a really terrible burnout, um, where I just, I wanted to end everything, like, like, I wanted to end a business, I wanted to go off and just sail off into the sunset with no money at this point. But it was just one of these things where, I mean, our it got to the point where our payroll was close to $70,000 a month,
0: dude. Mm-hmm. It was
2: like crazy. I mean, granted, we were making good money and uh, all this other stuff. But when, you, when one project takes a dip and you have that kind of payroll on your hands and that kind of stress for people's livelihood and all these other things... I like you said I crossed that line I went into the into it realized that it's just not for me and I pulled back on it because I don't want to have that responsibility. I think there's a lot better ways to build a business and I'm granted I had that experience and I'm 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 really happy that you know I tapped into that but at the same time I just don't want to do that again because it's just too much too much unnecessary pressure in my opinion. I think you can actually make more money staying lean than being growing with too many people.
1: Oh, I agree with that. I mean, 100%. I mean, that's my entire my personal model is, is I am extremely lean. And the goal is, is to be able to have sort of products that can scale, right? Maybe that's a good time to kind of go mm-hmm. into some of the things that you're talking about in terms of some of the products that you're developing. Are they SaaS products? Or are they actual? What are you, What are you in the products that you're developing right now? Yeah, so on the product agency side, we're developing uh, one of my
2: uh, favorite apps that we've built is called Drop Voice. Um, That one is actually uh, built into the Shopify ecosystem where it allows uh, allows merchants to add a voice note to a product, attach it to a product, and uh, have the customer listen to information about that product rather than having to read through it. And the reason we went into that direction is because people's attention span is shrinking. And a voice, especially with like Twitter spaces and podcasts and all this other stuff, people are a little bit more accustomed to listening to more raw material at this point. And so I brought that into the the e-commerce space for uh, humanizing the experience a little bit more. Is that the way I like to put it? Because right now, and I'm sure you, everyone shops online, it's like, when you land on a website, it's a pop-up, give me your email, give me your phone number, give me this, give me that. And it's all this like data collection stuff, which is granted businesses need that, but I really wanted to focus on how do we, how do we build brand? How do we build that brand and the customer relationship on a different level? And to me, voice seemed like the next reasonable step to go, hey, what if you were buying, I don't know, George Clooney's like tequila brand online and he tells you about how he makes a mixed drink or whatever that might be. You're like, oh shit, I just, it's like that connection that you get to that brand and to that person. It's an actual natural retention rather than this like, measured way of doing things where it's like, oh, we send them 15 emails and they came back after the 15 time and all these other things. The voice, I think, is just a more natural way of doing it. So that's one of the products. And then aside from that, we have a few other ones like a peer-to-peer peer to tool rental app on iOS. And then the, one, the other one that I'm really excited about is actually falls into sort of the topic we're talking about is about the agency stuff. Um, we're starting, uh, we're building an agency starter kit for people who are Uh, transitioning from freelance to agencies or just growing as an individual freelancer uh, to help them with their systems and their workflows. So we're basically sharing our internal documentation um, with people about how we were able to scale a seven-figure agency on these systems and these workflows and basically sharing that with anyone else that's looking to do the same thing. Because when I started my agency, I wish somebody would have Done this for me because it was just been an uphill battle to get everyone on the same page, especially when you're hiring people and bringing on clients and doing all these things. I think this is where systems kick in and make life a lot easier and a lot less stressful.
1: Yeah, you got a lot of a lot of stuff going on, on the product side. Let's talk a little bit about drop. Vo- I I'm more drawn to the drop vo- drop voice is what it's called, right? Yeah, drop yeah. voice. Yeah, I'm more drawn to the drop voice product because that's in alignment with sort of like the personal connection side that I try to teach people with. Is because yep. people are you know people are so tired of value. So if you're gonna you know and it's the same concept of you come onto a page, it's you're gonna shop on a page and you've seen it all before. You've seen every piece of copy that's gonna say it does right. this, it does this, it does this, it does this. It's like it's like people the, um, you have a very aware, very aware consumers. Okay. So it's like, it's very difficult to persuade, to persuade them solely on a sales page, unless they've got their pre-frame somehow. Right. But something like that, where they had a voice and even if the voice wasn't even that, even if the production value on the voice wasn't even that good, I look at that as a feature, not a bug because it's more real, right? It's less slick. It's more, there's more of a connection there. Cause I think people are way they're overvalued. They're over their, are um, they're saturated with value, you know, it's like, it's just too much. Yep. And so I actually, I actually tell people, I think the next, the next, you know, sort of renaissance of marketing is not going to have anything to do with value. It's just going to have to do with connection. And it's, it's being interesting and it's, um, you know, being interesting, and entertaining, and then the value can come once they're pre-framed through that connection. Absolutely. And, uh, and you, you touched on that uh, really well, actually, because I think
2: for me, uh, we all have, We all have this sort of concept of what we believe that the customer wants and, you know, how we need to explain something, whatever else it is. And I think what you said about that raw, like it doesn't the production value doesn't need to be high. I actually hope that the people that are using our app and we only have like about 20 merchants at this point using it. um, I really hope that they go like I'm almost thinking about recording this on my phone in a coffee shop. And hearing some of the noise in the background, like you're almost getting a like a voicemail from, you know, somebody that you may recognize or the merchant to just give you like. Think about this experience, for example, you buy I don't know, you buy this water bottle, for example, and these hydro flasks are, you know, to, to destroy when it takes a lot. But what if you just you bought it already? You've committed to it. And so and then you get the voice note once you've already paid. I mean, your your, your money's already out the door. You get an additional piece of value that says, hey, just to let you know, you have lifetime warranty and this bottle, if it ever breaks, send us an email and we'll send you a brand new one for free. You're just like, oh, shit, like this is I I didn't even know that I didn't even read that on the product page or anywhere else. Like we didn't I didn't see any of that. So it just gives you a little bit of that direct connection and that extra quote unquote value that you already you're already committed you don't need another person convincing you to buy something this just comes with sort of what you've already done and to to me those are the little pieces because there's such a vast variety of products out there whether it's a jacket a pants or a pen or a notebook or whatever that you're buying there's always that little value that we kind of lose sight of whether it's hey your notebook is completely waterproof so if you drop it in the water you're not going to lose all your shit that you're journaling or whatever that might be so i think there's a lot there that can be utilized to influence people to understand the product more and build that connection.
1: Yeah, and and absolutely. And, and so you're so the drop voice though they can they can look at it and access it before before the sale too though right so it can be linked yeah. to a product because you know I think of something like that where if you had let's say you had an econ brand of someone that that had like a you know a few products on there like let's say like you know 15 products or something and it was a natural you know like a natural health brand or something okay. and you know the owner was sitting in a coffee shop or sitting somewhere and, and there was like you know I I was just thinking of this lotion like we, I made this lotion for this reason and then they put a note on there right and then it just kind of Came to them, because we all have these thoughts about our products and about our businesses all day long, right? Yeah. Um, but then, three weeks later, they're like, they have something else they thought about it, and so there's like a running chronology of these thoughts on these products, and he can change them, or he he or she can change them in and out. And so, people that you know, you have a consumable, they'll come back just to see if there's a new note. Right. Like if there's a new a new kind of like a running tell us, so it almost becomes almost like a podcast to the products, basically. And, that's interesting. You know, and I think that that's a that's a that would be a that would give you such an edge in such a crowded marketplace.
2: Absolutely. And and that was the other thing, too. Right. Um, Shopify. Um, has a, a huge app marketplace. It's 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 really big. It's not as big as the iOS app store, obviously, but it's getting up there. And there's a really saturated market when it comes to upsell apps and all these other things. We're actually the first to carve out this little corner for ourselves with the voice notes, which is really nice because there's no at the moment there's no competition. I'm sure there will be and that's fine. But another thing we thought about is like, what about voice t- testimonials, like flipping the script on the client and just being like, hey, can you For an extra, you know, 15 to 20 rewards points, can you record a voice note? We're going to put it on our product page. We're going to link to your Twitter account or whatever else you want on there. And we're going to give you basically a highlight as one of our customers for, you know, talking about our product and rating it or whatever that might be.
1: Uh, You're muted. I'm muted. That, and that taps <laughs> into the uh, the community building aspect, right? So yeah. if you can start to link people from the product to their Twitter, then in- inevitably, or, you know, whatever other social media that, they, that they're they on, inevitably, they will start to find each other. And I don't know, some people might think that's a good thing. Some might people think it's a bad thing, but um, uh, depending upon who's finding you, right? But but there is a way yeah. to there is a way to do it that it increases the buyer experience. And and that's the that's the interesting thing I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for in marketing, like how can this be interesting? You know, how can it instead of just yep. being valuable, how can this be interesting? Because um, like I said, people are are maxed out, they're maxed out on value, they're super aware of everything that's going on in the marketplace. And that's why that pre-framing, I think is so is so important. And I think you're really smart to build an ecosystem because you can have different, you know, you can have your agency clients go to to from your agency stuff to your twitter stuff you know they start yep. to, they starts to get synergy and i hate that word but it's actually an appro- appropriate use of that word between you know connections between those all those things
2: yeah and and that's kind of the goal um early on when we were building products uh we did everything under one brand which was the my my uh service agency brand taco and uh It just became a little bit muddy waters because now clients were kind of looking at it as, oh, so are you guys actually going to become something else and we're going to lose out on that partnership on the service side and you guys are going to just kind of sail off into the sunset and you guys aren't going to support us anymore and what's going to happen? Should we keep spending money with you? And so a lot of these questions started coming up because our clients pay us a lot of money. So at the end of the day, I didn't want to lose any of their trust. So what I ended up doing is just, sort of branching out another business, another completely different entity that's going to be handling all of that. And again, right now, just simply building Shopify apps for our own sake, because we don't do, this is not a service business on the product side. We're doing it. I come up with the idea. I write it all out. I pass it to my developer, my designer, whoever else it is. I get their feedback on, hey, what do you guys think about building something like this? Do you feel, you know, whatever that might be. And then from there, we sort of come together and build it out. But now what it's ha- actually starting to happen a little bit more on social media as well is that people are reaching out to me to build them their next app. And so it's one of these things where I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That might be another way to fund our own ideas in one way or another. But I don't want it to be another sort of regular service business where I have to you know, ha- call you every week or whatever else it is. It's going to be more like... Async, You know, you we, we get it done when we get it done type of thing. Keep it very casual and just do one project at a time and not take on three or four other projects. So that's also something I'm entertaining because at the end of the day, everything I do, Wade, is 100% bootstrapped. I've not taken one single dollar from any investor or anybody out there. And so for me, it's been a really big thing to have that ownership to be able to make that call with my team for example my developer owns a large percentage of drop voice because we partner together and i want to do that with more people because i believe that there's power and i don't want to own 100 of everything i think that's bullshit i'd rather spread the love and have people get involved and that's how they think uh, i believe that they'll put their best foot forward and i think that goes a long way in building long-term partnerships because i don't want to find a new business partner every two years because for money reasons or whatever that might be.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you, 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 you put people's interests in alignment, right? So on the days that you're feeling super magnanimous and you do the right thing, and then the days you're feeling really tired, you still do the right thing because you're going to get paid if you do the right thing, you know? And so Mm -hmm. everyone's a human being. And so you want to put them, you want to put them in a position to succeed and that's, you know, giving them an incentive to, to move in the direction that you want them to move. I think that's super, super smart. And yeah. And I think the other thing too, is I think what, you know, you're responding to the signal, right? Like, there's so much noise out there. And one of the, things about marketing as i always try to tell people is you put out as much noise as you can but when you find signal you pay attention to it yep. you know that's the thing It's like it's it's everyone thinks that it's this magical it's a puzzle that has to be solved you know and part of that puzzle is is finding the correct pieces
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think with now with us being both very active on social media and distributing our content and talking to people and engaging with people, I think those signals, there's there's a lot more there now that you people can tap into. You know, it can be one little thing that you hear and you go, Oh, wait, is somebody already maybe doing that? How is it how has this person just not found a solution or am I now have an opportunity to be that solution for them? And even if it's just one or two customers, that's a service business. I mean, that can be a potentially like five to $10,000 a month or every two months or whatever that might be that you can do very minimal work, but you already have the expertise because you just, you were listening, you weren't just throwing shit out there. And to me, I think that's always been a really big thing, especially now with like, my newsletter. And like I said, I don't have thousands of uh, uh subscribers or anything like that, but people will email me every so often and be like, Hey, would you be interested in talking more about this piece right here? And I'm like, Oh, there's something there. I didn't, I didn't even, that was a line that I just wrote because that's where my brain went. But somebody really attached themselves to that one sentence and said, I want to hear more about that. Hey, I want to know how it felt when you first sent out your first newsletter issue or whatever that might be and those are I think the signals that really trigger something different because I think a lot of the times we think that people know more than they do, and there's still always going to be people behind you and there's always going to be people in front of you, and I think it's very important to keep that state of mind at all times because You know, it's just we're not all experts like we're not none of us are experts at anything. We're just learning as we go. And some people just starting later than others. And if you help guide them, that comes off in a long way for you and for them in in the long term.
1: Well, and that goes back to I think you said something really important about how, you know, you wrote something in your newsletter and didn't have any idea that it wasn't it was. It was important because you wrote it, but it was like a it was it was low in the level, right? But then someone really seized on it, and that's the power of iteration because no one's no one's smart enough. To figure out the market themselves, you're just not exactly right, like, and so when everyone tries to create this perfect product and this perfect logo and and um, you know and and they have this creation process that is so slow uh, that they never have enough opportunities to create to to get the get the signal to be able to find what works and then like triple and quadruple down on it, and so I always tell people, I was like, just start pop, like every day publish every day, you know, and if, if it's, you know, or iterate every day or whatever it is, just get it out there as fast as possible and don't worry about it because two things, one is no one's paying any attention anyway, two, if they do pay attention and they think it's a piece of crap. They're going to forget, right? Do the best you can. Don't make a piece of crap on purpose, but put the best thing out there you can quickly and just keep doing that over and over and over again. And it's inevitable. You know, your success is inevitable. You just have to survive long enough and, and, and make enough noise to find that signal.
2: Exactly. And to be honest with you, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, I've been writing uh, my newsletter uh, for this week and uh, literally the entire topic on it is like starting anything the first time around is an absolute challenge and obstacle. And just understanding that those things, you've got to break through that barrier of putting it out there and then being able to get feedback, whether it's criticism or whether it's like, Constructive feedback, whether it's people hating on you, all those things are going to come with it. You get to be the filter of what you want to like, what you need to listen to and what you need to improve on. And that's absolutely right. It's just get out there, publish. I mean, dude, 11 months ago, Wade, I was not writing one single like thing on online because I just had the biggest imposter. I'm like guy who just built an agent. There's a thousand of me out there, but I didn't realize how different my experience was than other people or how I started and how I grew my agency and how I did these things where I started to realize like, Oh shit, like everyone's doing it way differently. And, and there might be some overlap, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't hit publish, to be quite honest with you.
1: Well, and what it does is it gives another you know, publishing and writing online gives another way for you to, um, narrow your niche in a good way right because everyone talks about becoming a niche of one where you're the only solution you know for a certain problem that people look to but one way to do that is to create that is to stack different things on top of each other to where you know you don't have to stack that many things because before you become unique you know what right. i'm saying and so like yes you yes i'm an agency owner okay there's a thousand agency owners but now i'm an agency owner that publishes every day. okay now there's more that now i have a gigantic awesome beard well now there's only one of me right right and so exactly I, <laughs> you know exactly and um and that's what I think. But people, they're afraid of like, well, this is not on brand or and I don't know, I, I'm like I said, I'm a big believer in in consistent daily publishing and and um, or iteration or, or whatever it is, because. If if you're gonna find you know and, and it depends too because I feel like you're more there's two types of two I look at business in two different ways way number one is there's there's sort of the arbitrage way right which is like you're just trying to find the, a need and fill it profitably right and then number two is is like the crafts like this is my craft way right which is like okay I'm I may have signals and noise that otherwise I can make money or other things like that but I'm not gonna. I'm not leaving my wingman, right? Like I'm staying in exactly this one thing that I'm doing. And there's no right or wrong way to do that. Um, you know, but they'd have definitely a lot, a lot of different um, endpoints, but you volume publish in both of them. Exactly.
2: And I think where people mostly fall out of pocket with a lot of that stuff is when they chase the quick win. And I think we've all been sort of tailored over the years, especially with like things like Amazon or whatever, instant gratification. Like we all want that quick paycheck we all want that you know package to arrive the same day we order we all want you know our food to come out immediately like we all want things so quickly because the internet has just give us an abundance of like dopamine hits and we just need it in every way that we can get it and i think where people fall out of pocket sometimes and i was just talking to my girlfriend over coffee about this and, you know, sometimes she doesn't understand my world as much as like she'd like to. She's in a whole different category of, of like, you know, uh, she she's a recruiter for accounting and finance. And so her world is very different. There's some similarities, but, you know, I literally had to tell her, I just want to say like, hey, you, you have been by my side for, you know, such a long time. Thank you for supporting me through this, like a long winded, like long term, gr- like i, I I don't have anything I've done that's hit and been a hit overnight. And I'm happy about that because I think at that point, the, the the expectation becomes that. And for me, it took my agency three years to, you know, break a certain amount of like revenue where I was able to pay people really well and earn a good living and all these other things. So I think when you fall out of pocket is when you start chasing that quick win and you don't look at like, Hey, these are all just little steps like publishing content every single day. I mean, It's just like little stepping stone, little nail, little brick, little just keep building, building, building. At some point, somebody's going to hear something, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on a tweet, whether it's on a LinkedIn post, wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing. And I think that's where people have to realize that there's a lot more to it than just like making an extra 500 bucks today, because that 500 bucks is gone by tomorrow if you don't have a sustainable way of doing it.
1: Well, the other thing I think that people miss, a lot of people talk about building in public, a lot of people talk about authenticity and transparency and, you know, doing those that incremental changes, lasting change and all that. And um, but one thing I think that's always missed is it's there's, you know, yes, there's the exterior facing side and the business side, but there's an interior facing side, which no one seems to talk about where all the discoveries that you make on that path that are internal discoveries for you that actually help you go in the right direction. Those discoveries help you learn more about why you're doing what you're doing and they they feed you, right? If you're an overnight success and something goes really awesome, but you don't know how you did it and you didn't go through those discoveries, it's almost like winning the lottery. You know, you have these kids that they, they maybe they did a, like a cold email marketing agency or something and it blew up. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm making all this money. I'm making, you know, what, 20, 30, $40,000 a month. But then there's a change, you know, in Gmail or change something and then they can't do it anymore the way that they did it before they don't know how to adapt and then they never make money again right exactly you know and so that's like like look everyone wants their stuff to blow up quickly yeah that'd be great But it's very rare that it does. And you hopefully you better have had a success before, because if it hasn't, you better find someone that is in your field that has had a success over a grind and talk to them so they can help walk you through what it is that you need to do. Because if you don't build those steps day at a time, day in, it's it's not the the outward facing stuff that's a problem, it's the interior of stuff that's a problem. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think also, um,
2: and we could touch more on this uh, a, a little bit, but for me, it's also been I'm very, uh, very uh, attracted to the music industry in this sense, because I think a lot of people to get on that stage of producing music and releasing it on a big level, all these when you go back even like five years to see where these people were to like get to that level they were just in their local neighborhood trying to sell a CD or two. And for me, music always touches me a little bit differently because I used to help like a, like a producer and all these other things. And I always think about that, sort of that early grind that you have to put in the work Of, you know, whether you're selling CDs out of your out of your trunk of your car or you're going out and doing free shows or I mean, you lived in L.A., you know more than anyone. Like there's a lot of stuff out there. People don't get paid for and they just go out there hoping that somebody in the crowd maybe spots them and says, hey, you would be perfect for this and get the next role or whatever that might be. And I think a lot of people miss that opportunity because they want everything that they put out there. They want it to hit For everybody. And that's never going to be the case. And that's why I believe, like, uh, I know you're doing it with this podcast, and I'm doing it with my podcast. It's like you're going to always reach a different audience and different ears and different eyes when you're doing, you know, a podcast, you're doing some stuff on twitter you're maybe making tiktok videos whatever you have a newsletter there's different audiences encompassing each one of those avenues and you just never know who you're helping and who you're gonna help change their life probably and even just a little bit you don't have to and so i think a lot of people underestimate the the power of like content in different formats as well and i think putting in the work now i mean you and i are in 2023 we started in 2022 or i started in 2022 uh, i don't i i don't foresee any big results or anything else for probably next like 2 to 4 years and that that i'm okay with i've already come to that now if anything happens before that great we can have a nice b- birthday party and everything will be fine but i don't expect anything to happen for the next couple of years
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, people, they all want to be the next Joe Rogan in podcasts or they all want to be. You know, like they they want everything to blow up. And I understand that that is one model of success, a metric of success for a podcast. Right. But that's not the model that I've ever attributed to my podcast. One is I always just wanted to be able to talk to interesting people and the people that I wanted to talk to. So I didn't I don't pick people based upon, oh, I think my audience would like this person. I pick people on like, first, I have to want to be interested to talk to them. Right. Right. But then past that, like it's an your podcast becomes an asset. So the more people you talk to and interview or the more episodes that you have, then when you want to connect with someone and get them on the podcast or whatever, you, you know, it it doesn't really necessarily may not matter that you have, you know, a lower following count than you, than what they usually go on to because you have the credibility of the asset of the, of the reps. And, you know, that's why, like, for my podcast, I did 365 podcasts in 365 days when I first did this podcast. Right. And so now we're on like episode 600 and whatever it is, 625. And so. So there's not, you know, there's not very many people that won't pay attention to me, at least talk to me. If I say, hey, I've got 600 and, you know, whatever episodes of my podcast right. just right there. They're like, OK, like I'll talk to this person and they may not come on, but at least they'll talk to me. So um, uh, exactly, you know, and that and that's true for anything. So it's it's and again, it's like you just keep creating noise until you find the right signal. And I know that's kind of a I don't know if that's a cliche or people have never heard that before, but um you know it's it's that's the part of the creative process i think that people they overlook they they would they they talk about they talk about quality over quantity and i'm the opposite i think you need to have quantity on your um you want quality on your products but quantity on your marketing
2: yes and i i also don't think you need to sacrifice one for the other 100 percent either i think you can have quality and quantity playing you know to its strengths as well uh your quantity is going to be different than my quantity uh somebody else may post 30 times a a, a week somebody else may post 15 uh that all comes basically down to whatever you decide you're, you want to talk about it. And if you one day just feel like not talking about something, that's fine too. It's uh, nobody's pressuring you, it's on your own time. But I think also people like, want to have the perfect tweet and they want to have the perfect this and the perfect podcast. And they want to, like you said, want to be the next job. That's cool. Like you can have those aspirations, but you also, I would say like expectations are resentments waiting to happen. The more you raise your expectations and you have this outcome that you want to reach, anything short of that even 1% short of that you're going to become very disappointed and even if you exceed that or or hit your goal you're not going to be as excited if you just hit that goal just by putting in the work in all honesty so to me it's always been yes i have expectations to keep my podcast going i have expectations to keep my newsletter going i have expectations to keep my content on on twitter going but i don't have expectations to say i need to be at 100,000 followers on on because Whether that's going to happen or not, I do not know. I can only keep doing what I'm doing and keep improving, keep getting better. And I think that's where quality and quantity sort of merge a little bit is that the the quality the quantity doesn't need to happen with the short time frame it happens over a long period of time and i think over that time as long as like you like we talked about listening to those signals and improving things and listening to people and getting feedback i think that's where you start to improve your content and then becomes a little bit more uh, on the quality
0: side
1: yeah and i think you're gonna suck at content if you've never yeah. done it before no matter what but it's you don't get it you don't get an excuse to suck forever
0: Exactly. Right? So exactly. It's,
1: and and but if you're process oriented on your content, you won't you won't be. You know what I'm saying? Even if it's something as you know, every time you do an interview, you say, okay, you just ask yourself a question. Do I want to change the intro or the outro? Do I want to make it better on my podcast? Okay, no, I think I like where it's at. Okay, great. But, you know, as long as you're getting a little bit better and your content and everything a little bit better over time, you're, and you're processed, you're committed to the process, you, you avoid that whole expectation trap with the results and you keep the results for your clients. You're like, I am maniacal about results for my clients, but everything else is process oriented. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Now, let me ask you really quickly: What's been um, over these six hundred plus episodes that you've done for your podcast? Um, what's what what got you into the world of podcasting, and what's kind of kept you going? I'm really interested to hear your answer on this.
1: Um. So, a couple things. The the big thing is is that I want you know I I just wanted to start publishing and get back to. Um, being able to express myself right so when i started it was kind of a legal podcast i was like i thought it was going to be a legal podcast and i was like well i'll set myself apart as a lawyer and it's kind of like with that thing we talked about where you know you're you you create these things which then help you to niche down in terms of create a niche of one and that was the idea originally I was like well I'll, I'll do it as a as a lawyer and then i said i got to get good at it and then um you know, I heard this thing. It was, they, I don't know if it was Russell Brunson or somebody in the biz off space or whatever. It was like, you know, if you, if you publish every day for a year, your life will be different. I was like, okay, well, let's just do that. Right. So I thought it meant I was going to get a lot of clients. Right. But they never say it's about getting a lot of clients, but what it did do for me though, was, is it, it allowed me through that kind of that long meandering process of that year was it, it made me realize I didn't really want to Talk about the law anymore. I didn't really want to be a lawyer anymore, and, right? And, and you know, what is it? It started me on that journey of me discovering what it is that what I wanted to do. Also, what it did and kept it going was is that once you, once you get all the initial stuff out, then you actually really have to start to think, because you have a certain amount in your of preconceived notion in your brain of whatever it is that you're going to do. If you're going to do stand up comedy, or if you're going to do podcasting, or if you're going to do writing, you have a bunch of stuff in your brain. That is in there that must come out before you can start to become original or become new to yourself. And so I got all that stuff out, and then I really had to start to think about, well, like, what it is, dude, that I want to talk about. You know what I mean? And so that long process and that journey is what got me to the idea of being interesting and entertaining, like infotainment, making that connection versus the whole just trying to provide a podcast with value, right? Like, you know, my podcast, I'm gonna, I talk about. I want to talk about writing. I want to talk about business. I want to talk about those things and there's a value there, but it's, it's the key is to try to be entertaining and or interesting, you know, and that's, yeah. and I hope that answers your question, but that's, that's that whole process of all those episodes literally got me to here today, which then allowed me to leave, you know, you know, leave the law um, and not take new clients. Right. And so that's awesome. Yeah. And it took a lot of deep programming. It was, you know, and so, and learning, but um, you know, there's something beautiful
2: about rebuilding, man. There's something beautiful about restacking the blocks a different way in your head, and you know what you had built here. Now you're moving it into something completely different. I'm kind of going through that as well. I'm so glad you touched on that because I think for me, uh, like I said, even growing a big team, shifting down to a smaller team, and all these other things, there's something there's something amazing about the rebuilding process and how you approach it the second time around, and the things you think about and the you don't want to have the second time around that you had the first time around. And again, it's that learning process over time. And whether it happens in one podcast, you know, over 600 episodes, or it happens within the first like 30 episodes, it's still that that the process is what makes the makes the journey more exciting. And, and when you tap into one of those rebuilding stages, then you start to look at other parts of your life and be like, do I really need to do this to do this? Or how can I make this a little bit more efficient? I think there's something exciting about that, man. And that, that at times really drives me when, when things get really, really tough. I just go back to thinking about like, Hey, I've, uh, I've, I've rebuilt before. And I I know I can rebuild again and probably rebuild a little bit better.
1: Yeah. And the big the biggest thing for me was realizing is that I had to I had to build my life in a way that played my own game that that played to my strengths and played to um, to what I was good at. So, for example, you know, the legal field, for example. Right. Like all my friends are extremely successful. Right. In the legal field. But then what I realized was, is that I was trying to play a game that that I really didn't want to play and that don't play to my strengths. Right. So I'm doing myself to a disservice by trying to put myself in this game because all my peers are in this game and, and you know, they're all digging it and loving it and all that. And like, I'm like, I'm not digging it and loving it. Right. So that's one the thing I learned was I need to figure out of how to craft my life in a way that I'm playing to my strengths. Okay. And then number one. And then number two, I discovered, am I doing the arbitrage or I'm just going to make money and build, a, like I'm going to be a quote, um, an entrepreneur. And so an entrepreneur is a person who builds businesses and makes money, right? That's like one definition of an entrepreneur, right? Am mm-hmm. I going to do that? And that's cool. A lot of people do that. Or am I going to am I going to enter into a, like a, a profession or a craft, right? Still, yep. well, with like a little e entrepreneur. Like I'm, just, I'm still going to be an entrepreneur because I got to build my own thing because I have to build something specific for my strengths. And then what I, but the conclusion I came to was, no, I want to, I want to build, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm older than you. And I've got two kids. I was like, I don't want to just make money. I did that as a lawyer. And I could, I can any, the biggest threat for me in my current iteration is I can go make money as a lawyer anytime. So if things get tight or things get stressful, I can just go and make money over there. But it takes me away from what I'm doing and trying to build over here. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's that, that give and take between that. And so that's, you know, to, the the biggest part of the journey was answering those two questions was, you know, do I want to have a, have a craft or craft slash profession, or do I want to be an entrepreneur? And then, um, you know, how do I create everything? So I play my exact game, you know, and and I feel like, and I feel like just listening to that. It sounds like you
2: found a lot more balance in life to expose your creativity a little bit more as well, like being able to spend time with your kids and your family and all these other things. Um, And I think that's also contributes a huge amount to the work that you put out and the things that you do is when you have that balance and you don't have a need for every little thing you do i gotta go make 500 bucks i gotta go make five thousand dollars i gotta go do this it starts to become more like you said on your own time and shaping things around how you wanted it to be and i think people overlook the sort of the byproduct that comes from that which is the balance in in sort of all the life things that happen outside of the creative edge of things
1: yeah well it's all interconnected or or at least in my life i want it to be because it's it's i need to find a way to be fed so i can you know be a better dad and be a better husband and i'm not naturally good at those things i mean i don't know if people are naturally good at those things i'm definitely not naturally good at those things so it requires more work for me so so cuz i'm not a patient person so i need like it's, kind of, it's like a spiritual practice right so if i'm yeah. if i'm grinding at work and i'm not being fed at work and i'm and it it bleeds into makes me not as um able to focus on those other things because, and get better at those things too, you know, and it, it, some people think it's a cliche, but I mean, it's a cliche for a reason. And, you know, for me, it just, you know, I, I get to work out of the garage bunker. I'm going to go pick up my son from, from his preschool here and spend some time with him soon. And, um, you know, if I was a lawyer, I'd, I'd be in a law firm bill and time, you know, and I wouldn't, I would see them yeah. a little bit in the morning and see him a little bit at night. And that's just not a, it's not a gig I want to do. No, that's awesome, man.
2: I'm, I'm, I always love hearing when people get a a chance to sort of, like I said, refocus and understand the things that drive them. And I think a lot of people don't have that time to sit with themselves and understand, yeah, I'm making, you know, good money here. I can make money here. But, like, what's really important and what do I really want to do? And, I, 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 dude, I applaud you for that because I think it's, you know, um, it's very easy to get caught up in you know, the day to day and life and money and law and all these other things it just starts to like become this blurry thing. And so I just want to say good, great job on on finding that and, and doing what you're doing because uh, it's been, it's been awesome to watch, dude.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it, it's a bet, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we'll know, you know, we'll know 10 years from now if it was a good bet, but then the question is, 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 you know, mentally, <clears throat> Maybe I don't make as much money as I would have as, as a lawyer over the next 10 years, but how much better is my family life? How much better am I mentally? How much, you know right. what I mean? Am I enjoying stuff? And um, you know, I don't know. I guess the proof will be in the pudding, but that's my biggest thing is always telling people is that you know, given the way that, especially like, if you look at like your agency side and and what's going on in the internet and you just made an app, you know, how long did it take you from the time that you had the idea um, for drop voice before you said, I had this idea to the time where the app was live. Like what was the what was the time period for that
2: uh so there's two time periods one was i had the idea six months prior and i didn't do anything i just wrote it down on a piece of paper and i stored it into my idea box and then when sort of the bandwidth opened up for my developer i presented it with him so from the time we started building it to the time we launched it was a month and a half
0: okay
1: so i want you to think about that i mean if you think about like again i'm older than you but first of all You can do an app now like that fast right and not prohibitively expensive it didn't cost you a million dollars to do the app no not at all you know what i'm saying right and then um and you can do it a month and you can do it a month and a half and so like there's no barrier to entry for almost anything now there's no you and i have a podcast where we can we can talk to millions of adoring listeners or whatever like right you know there's no barrier to entry on anything on the business side there's no barrier to entry for anything on the creative side on this on the software side everything is free that you need to start a business and (laughs) i think I think we I think a lot of people are still operating off of a model like five or 10 years ago where there's they feel like, oh, I got to start a business, but there's this inertia that they have to overcome when, in fact, there is no more inertia. There's more inertia than you having to go find a job than there is for you to start a business. Right, dude, that's that's the best
2: way to phrase that I I couldn't have said that any better because I talk about that a lot in my content, too, is just that people are used to overcomplicating the process of doing or starting something, especially something in the realm of like doing a business. I mean, dude, I was. For a very, very long time, I had the idea of just simply going in with my buddy on the weekends to earn an extra few bucks and get him introduced to like building a business by going doing like tree cutting service for like the local people who have these small trees that need to trim, like elderly people, whatever. Just finding this small group of people. I don't want to have 15 jobs over the weekend. I want to have maybe two or three people that call us up and we go in and charge them a couple hundred bucks, trim down their trees or whatever else it is. And when I presented that to my buddy, it was just one of these things where it was like Oh, but we need to do this. I was like, "No, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We literally need our truck and we need something to cut and we go and show up and we knock on a door and say, "Hey, your tree looks like it's about to, you know, fall over. Let us give it a little trim or whatever that might be." And he was just like, "Well, what It's just like all these questions. I was like, "No, just go do the thing." And then when people tell you no, then you realize, "Okay, the next person I go to their door, I have to present it maybe a little bit differently or maybe do it this way." And you start learning and by the third or fourth or fifth person that you knock on the door someone's going to be like you came at a perfect time i was just about to call a tree trimming service and you're already here here's the job it's it's, is dude it's especially online now with all these no-code tools and everything else like there's no excuses in my opinion like other than other than you being like in a, in a job that makes you work like 18 hours a day and you literally don't have time to breathe and you're stressed out and all these other things, even then you could probably find an hour or two. But I don't think there's any excuses. If you have a few hours, it's repli- change the Netflix time to building a small business. And I guarantee you within a month, like whoever told you after you know a year, your life is just gonna change. Your life is gonna change after a month of doing that.
1: Yeah, and, and also too, I understand... I understand that it's a, mind, it's a, it's a personality thing. Like certain people are creative. Certain people are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like I understand that. And it's not for everybody. However, what I would, what I would tell people is that actually, I think it is kind of going to have to be for everybody. At least everyone needs to have some kind of high side hustle, even if you don't want one, because the world is getting so crazy, right? There's yeah. so many crazy things that are happening from a, um from like a market risk perspective, meaning like, I just think that that, that that you know, businesses you could just not have a job immediately, right? Yeah. But also too is that from a social risk too is like there's there's so many trends that are moving so fast that are people are getting canned and fired for, for like you know, and for things that you would be like what? And and maybe yep. it's because I'm a Generation X person, but I don't think. That there, there it used to be you would be safe in your job if you just didn't, you know, get too drunk at the holiday party, you know, and put a put a lampshade on your head. You'd be OK. But people that's not the true anymore. It's a minefield everywhere. It's a minefield at your job and it's a minefield outside of your job. Yeah. And I think I think the hedge, you know, I think people are crazy to not have some kind of business or some kind of side hustle or something, even just getting an upwork and writing content or something um, exactly, you know, because it's, it's um, you know, if you're building, I'm a big, like we've talked about this before is I'm a big fan of Upwork, you know, you, you know, if you have, like, I have my profile in Upwork now is as an asset because I've made, you know, I've made so much yep. money in Upwork and I have the, the hundred percent job completion and I have all the five-star ratings, but I just turn it on when I need it. And like, I don't do it right now, but if I needed it, I could turn it on and get, get money. Right. But it takes time to put those things together. Um, exactly. You know, but all those marketplaces are out there. So anyway, all right. So I love to ask everybody about, um, adversity cause we all go through it. Like when you, you know, you, I know you burned your, you burned out and you, it sounds like you've gone through some adversity and, and I don't know about like your personal life and we don't need to go in your personal life. But, but when you enter adversity, if it's either business or personal, like, is there a, is there a way or a framework that you always handle it? Or how do you deal with that when that happens?
2: Um, so to be honest, that was my first, like real burnout. Um, I am one of those people that I am, um, I tend to try and pull the, and it's going to sound kind of bad, but pull the plug on things. I'm very much a cut and dry person when I don't want to do something, if I want to quit drinking or whatever else it is, I'm a cold Turkey stop today. We're not drinking anymore. And that's it. Like I have that, like I have that mentality inside of me. Same thing goes with starting something. Oh, we're starting it today. We're going full force into it. So I, I don't have like this gray area. So adversity, when it comes to that, it really depends on what it is. Like the burnout thing for me was, again, came to a point where I was like, either I shut down this agency tomorrow or somebody takes it on and I disconnect myself from it because I, this has just gotten to a point where I can't control it anymore. Um, and so for me, I don't think there's anything that I've done in practice consistently, to be quite honest with you. But what I have come to realize is um, talking to people within a similar realm of life, whether it's like somebody that's another person that's owned an agency or somebody that's like running multiple business or somebody that's creating online or whatever else it is, um, it's always easier to to um uh, sort of take all that in when you hear about other people, what they're going through and their different struggles than yours and how they're handling it and all these other things. And so I think for me, it's just a level of comfort that I get from And this is where I I think a lot of my podcast back in 2020 was like built from is that I was going through a tough time with my agency with like sales and all these other things. And just hearing somebody say they're running a multimillion dollar agency and just saying, hey, we haven't had a lead come in in two months. I'm like, oh, it's not just us. And it allowed me to sort of like just breathe and understand that this is just a cycle that I had to go through because I'd been flying high for the first two years and I wasn't accustomed to not having somebody come through our door and asking us to like work with them so I don't have a necessarily like a framework that I that I go by I'm just more of like I handle it in that moment and I sort of turn to people in my network that I can say hey going and I'm very transparent and open book and I think that has a lot to do with it as well hey I'm going through this thing I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing I've you know I read books I listen to things and those things make me feel better But like I know you've gone through something similar. You have a minute to chat, and that, that conversation usually allows me to breathe a little bit and kind of get through, you know, stages of that adversity in in you know smaller chunks rather than. Um, but I'm very much like a i start something i kill something in the in the same like a manner it's just a cold turkey type thing
1: well and that's a framework right so it's like if you're faced with a situation you make a decision and you go for it you don't ruminate right and then the second part of it is, is then you and then you talk to people about it you know and then get input i mean that's a that's a framework and most people what they'll do they'll do the opposite they'll ruminate on it they'll think about what should i do like i don't know they won't take action they don't talk to anybody they go in the tank. You know yep. then they, and then they you know they downshifted their bad habits and so um i think that is a framework you just you just haven't thought about it in that way because most people don't do that so
2: absolutely and yeah. then the other thing i would add to that's been a a, a huge life-changing thing for me over the past like three or four months is um journaling like hand journaling every single day and so i have literally a notebook that i filled up already i'm on to like my second one now And my brain running at 100 miles per hour, sitting there and writing pen to paper uh, slows me down, allows me to consume whatever I'm going through kind of sit in my own shit for a little bit and put it on paper and sort of distill my brain from it and create that little like connection mentally of why things are happening. And as I reread some of these journal entries, like there's almost like patterns that I catch that I can work through. So that's another piece of the puzzle, I think, in the past few months that I've had to like, that I've put into my own, you know, daily sort of workflow or, or if you want to call it a framework.
1: Well, I think those three steps take action, talk to others in the same situation and journal. I think I don't, I don't see how you can go wrong with any of those things. Right. As long as you're not saying I take a cold shower and I get up at, at three 30 every morning right? and, I drink, <laughs> no, I and I drink enough water <laughs> and I drink enough water and I have a notion template. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. Cause it's it's so funny. Like coming on Twitter you know, I've only been on Twitter for a few months because I was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do social media." Twitter seemed to be, and I'm glad the way Twitter's going with Elon Musk and all that. So I'm I'm happy about building my audience on Twitter and all that. But it's so funny to see the the once you're on it for a while, you see those uh, I would call them like almost like uh, Twitter viruses, right? Where it's yes yeah, yeah. every once in a while you'll get the you'll get the dude in there with a, you know, Hey, sleeping enough is a superpower. It's like, yeah, no shit. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a six year old and a four year old. Thanks. So I don't have that option sometimes. So, but I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you 20, 22 year old life, life master. Right. 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 Yeah, you right, know, right, right, So right. I got a, I got a, I got a 30 pound puppy, a six year old, a four year old and a, and a, and a wife who is, uh, who's uh, driving me like a slave master. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> like, you're you're 22 years old and you can sleep in until 10 and go to the gym for three hours and do whatever you want. Like, I don't, right, I don't right. need you DMing me about I need more sleep, bud.
2: Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, man, that's amazing. That's well, amazing.
1: Well, Z, I really enjoyed talking to you today and it was so good to have you come on my podcast. I'd love to catch up with you in a few months to see how things are going with the app. I think I think Drop Voice is, if you're ever looking for an investor, I'm telling you, I think that's a big I think that's a big chance for that. I think it's a very good idea. So, Thank you. Um, I
2: really yeah. appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you, dude. And I know you've been in so many different worlds of 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 work and everything. So that means a lot coming from you, Wade. And again, thank you for uh, for having me on the pod. I'm always down to talk to you. If you ever want to just shoot the shit and record an episode and whatever else, just let me know. Come on my podcast. I'll come on your podcast. It doesn't matter. Um, but thank you, man. Thank you for the time. And it's always, uh, always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. We'll talk soon. All right, cheers.
0: All right, creator. I know you want to escape the current understory that you are trapped in. I get it. I've been there. But in order to do that, you're going to have to have a creative clearing, a place to stand in confidence and clarity. I'm not going to promise you some magical course coach or codex, but I cannot help you unless you raise your hand and say, I'm over here. Raise your hand and say, let's get out of here together. The podcast contains the philosophy and the five public principles, but the daily emails have the insights, innovations, and shadow principles of building the classic American business that I only discuss with my subscribers. Raise your hand and let's light the lantern together. The path of understanding never ends, but that does not mean you cannot get to where you want to go. Go now and subscribe to my daily email list at understoryemails.com. Again, that's understoryemails.com. Go light the lantern!